Hello, this is Dr. Robert Sheeler, and today we'll be mapping migraines on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important, not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Robert Scheeler. Dr. Scheeler is a broadly trained physician who worked at Mayo Clinic for 20 years and is now in private practice in Scottsdale, Arizona. He is a family medicine doctor providing care to both adults and children. He has a special interest in migraine and headache and is a certified subspecialist in headache medicine through the United Council of Neurologic Subspecialists. He has also been trained and certified in functional and integrative medicine and seeks to find the right resources to fit each individual's personal philosophy and needs based on their beliefs, background, and situation. You can learn more about Dr. Scheeler in the show notes. Dr. Scheeler, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so kindly. I appreciate your inviting me to be here. Migraines, Dr. Scheeler, as you know from your practice, they are a tricky and often misunderstood topic. Can you just start us off by telling us what they are, what they're not, and how we even get an appropriate migraine diagnosis? Sure. So migraines have been much maligned over the years. 18% of women and 6% of men have migraines. And migraines are a specific neurologic condition that for many years didn't get much respect because there was no brain lesion. And so neurologists could see in Parkinson's disease, you cut up the brain and you know certain areas of the brain have Lewy body changes and other degeneration in, in motor areas. And Alzheimer's disease had generalized atrophy of the brain and strokes would be in one particular area. But migraine, until recent functional imaging, has not really shown up in any way. So migraine was kind of a poor cousin. So migraine is a clinical diagnosis at the, at the present time, but the really good news is, is that things like functional MRI studies are showing that specific brain nuclei light up in different types of headaches and different pathways are, are involved and are shown to be present. And so currently migraine is a clinical diagnosis based on what we call ICHD3 criteria, International Classification of Headache Disorders. And so in order to get diagnosed with migraine, you need to have two of the top group of symptoms and also the bottom group of symptoms. So the top group that you need to have two of are moderately severe as opposed to mild headaches, throbbing or pounding as opposed to constant or squeezing headaches, headaches that are worse with exertion and headaches that are at least some of the time on one side of the head. So if you have two of those, you meet the top criteria for migraine. 
the bottom criteria are nausea or vomiting. And then the second one is light and sound sensitivity. And then there's an alternate criteria that allows for smell sensitivity in there. And so if you have two of the top and you check off one of the boxes below, either nausea, vomiting, light plus sound sensitivity, you're considered to have migraine. And so partly, other than the functional MRI imaging and the new things that we're now learning, partly migraine is a diagnosis based on symptoms. And so heretofore, most neurologists don't do a lot of testing and looking for root causes. They will say, you have these symptoms, and so what you have is migraine. And then people say, well, why do I have these symptoms? Well, you have these symptoms because you have migraine, and that's migraine right. is what causes these <laughs> symptoms. And so it's a circle. You have these symptoms, and that's what's that's how we define migraine. And you have my, migraine causes these symptoms, and that's why you have those symptoms. It's like, okay, that's good, but it didn't really get me to the root base understanding that I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I, Dr. Shaler, I love that you actually speak about the root causes, and I want to get there. Before we do, though, you mentioned, I think, 18% women, 6% of men have migraines. Did I get that statistic right? Correct. Any other antecedents that predispose somebody to having migraines, or we can Absolutely. have migraines if our parents parents. Let's talk about those. Yes, completely. So migraine is not a, a specifically inheritable, like you have one gene, so you have a 50% chance of getting it from your mom or dad, or you need two genes to do it. It's polygenetic, but it is a genetic phenomenon. And so it will often run in your family and you know your mother and your sister and your grandmother would have been more likely to have it than your brother and your dad and your grandfather. But I had migraine in my family, so my grandmother had bad migraines back in the day when the only thing they had to treat migraines and asthma, which are actually comorbid and go together, was morphine. So when she'd get mm. a bad asthma spell or a bad spell of migraine, she'd take morphine. And then she was a really tough customer. And as when she got her asthma got better or her migraines got better, she would cold turkey herself off, off of that. And so back in the old days, they used to say, say, did anybody in your family have migraines? No, but grandma had sick headaches where she'd go and lay down in a room for you know a day or two. And so those symptoms I talked about for migraine, they need you need to have five or more episodes of migraine that fit that, and they need to last four to 72 hours. And so that's kind of the time frame because there's a number of other types of headaches that are shorter lived or longer lived. And so the migraine cycle is four to 72 hours five or more episodes of that, and that will give you migraine. And if that's all you have, which is way more than enough, I'll tell you, to disrupt your life, but if that's all you have, you have what we call MO, or migraine without aura. But about 30% of people have migraine with aura. And migraine with aura is actually a worse disease. It's, it's comorbid with a lot of other things. And so there's more risk of heart attack and stroke, especially stroke in the back of the brain. There's mm. um, two to 10 times as much bipolar illness and depression, but it's also comorbid with other diseases like restless leg syndrome and irritable bowel syndrome and things like that. So migraine with aura tends to come on in boys first, usually between age like four and eight or nine. And in girls, it tends to come on between age six or 10. And so before they start having their cycles or get hormone related things. Migraine without aura tends to be much more hormone related and it comes on in women when they start having their cycles and then it's very hormone dependent. So it may get better with, with pregnancy or it may get worse at menopause. And after menopause, it often goes away and it still has comorbidity. It may have twice as much of certain anxiety disorders and some more bipolar and some more depression. But migraine with aura has a lot more of that 
uh, of most of those things in migraine without ORP. So they're different diseases. They come on at different times. They're affected by different things. And especially migraine with aura has more comorbidity. There are more serious complications that have with it. The good news about migraine with aura is that you can tell you're getting it. And so one of the dreaded things that can happen that make migraine go from an occasional problem to a, basically a continuous problem is now what's called MOU, medication overuse headaches. Mm. And if you get migraines 15 days a month or more, and especially if you're taking medi acute medicines, either tryptan medicines that are specific to migraine, or even something as simple as ibuprofen, if you're taking them all the time, today's medicine may cause tomorrow's headache. And so mm. that's a significant problem because what happens when you get into MOU headaches, which are they used to call them rebound headaches, which I actually liked a lot better because it describes what happens. But for some reason, they decided they had to call them medication overuse headaches because that was part of what, you know, part of the pathophysiology of what happened. So I understand why they did that, but I don't like that because it seems pejorative. It seems to blame the patient. So I don't like things that blame right. the patient. And the patient, it's like, if I'm walking along and I fall in a hole, well, I guess you should have been looking where you're going. But most of the time, I didn't really want to fall in that hole and I would like to get out of it. And so I don't like really things that blame the patient. Migraine is a, is a brain disorder. It has a significant genetic component. And so if you don't have migraine genetics, I could take you out in the desert for three days and dehydrate you. And, and then at the end of three days, give you nothing but two quarts of vodka and, and make you crawl home to crawl to your car and drive home. And you might get a really bad headache, but you wouldn't get a migraine because you don't really have the wiring or the pathophysiology for it. So it's a specific set of things. And what we found out is we used to think that migraine was a blood vessel problem. And so it made sense, like the blood vessels constrict. And so you don't get enough blood supply to part of the brain. And so then you get you get the aura symptoms because that's the brain lacking oxygen. And then later there's a phase where the blood vessels expand. And so then they're stretching and they're pumping too much blood. And that's when you get the pain component of migraine. That's called Wolf's theory of migraine. Everybody was totally enthralled with that. Hey, that's, that's what happens. We understand this. Well, that was a great understanding. It just didn't happen to be true. So they started first doing xenon labeled blood supply things and found out that it really didn't happen in that distribution. And then they did the same thing with MRI and PET scans and other things. And they found out that instead of migraine being a blood vessel problem, blood vessels play into it. And some of the key receptors like the calcitonin gene receptor, CGRP peptides are associated with blood vessels and they can be part of the initiation or cause or termination of migraine, but they're not the underlying root cause. The underlying root cause is oversensitivity of some of the nervous system, specifically glutamine system. And so the glutamine is an mm. excitatory neurotransmitter. And so there's this thing that usually starts in the back of the head called slow wave spreading depression. And so there'll be a wave of depolarization that sweeps across the brain at two to three millimeters per minute. And it goes from the back of the brain to the front, which is why visual aura is one of the most common types of aura. There are four types of aura. There's visual aura, which can be either positive symptoms like zigzag patterns or flashing lights or negative symptoms like loss of part of your visual field, or it can be linguistic problems like you can't speak right, or it can be motor problems, which is more serious. That's called hemiplegic migraine, where you have like paralysis of one arm or one leg or some motor symptom, or it can be sensory where you just get like a tingling or something or a loss of sensation or an extra tingling. And so all four of those are the main aura symptoms, and they tend to come on an hour before or within the first hour of migraine, and then the vast majority of time, they then go away. If you have 
if you have aura symptoms, you have all of the migraine without aura, but then you have the aura on top of it. And you only need to have two attacks of that to prove it's migraine because they're more specific. So that's the, the characteristic that it lands to aura. But you have to have that underlying genetics to get migraine. And then there are a number of root causes that will activate your genes to cause those problems. So Dr. Shiller, let's get into those root causes because you really identify them beautifully. So root causes can be anything from stress that disrupts your cortisol balance to lack of sleep. And lack of sleep is a huge one. In my practice, patients would come to see me and they say, I'm only sleeping three hours a night, but I'm getting migraines all the time. And I go, well, we'll have to work on your sleep first. They go, no, I've, I've not slept for a long time. I go, well, you've had migraines for a long time. And unless we fix the sleep, we're very unlikely to fix the migraines. And so it can be stress, it can be sleep, it can be inflammation. And so inflammation affects a lot of neurologic conditions like depression. So for instance, if you have depression and you're taking traditional medicines, you may need two medicines instead of one to affect different pathways. Or if you add in anti-inflammatory things like saffron that has a brain anti-inflammatory effect, you may get improvement of neurologic conditions like depression. So things that lead to inflammation, whether they're uh, food sensitivities or allergies or chronic inflammatory processes, chronic infections, all of those things can push you over into migraine, as can vitamin and mineral deficiencies. So mm -hmm. vitamin B12 deficiency, vitamin B6, uh, a little bit vitamin B2, and then things like magnesium. So magnesium is important both in terms of you can lack magnesium and have migraines from being deficient, but we talk about three different levels when we use nutraceuticals or, or supplements. Number one, you correct a deficiency, you have none of it, and you give your, your body sort of the bare minimum it can function with. Two, you optimize the pathway by giving them enough so that they, you know, so there's no peaks and troughs when you're not having enough of that vitamin to, for instance, process your homocysteine and to methylate things. So you can methylate all the time and you're in more optimal health. And then the last use of supplements is when we use them at the sort of nutraceutical level, where we give a supplement that will treat a brain pathway or a biochemical pathway in the body by altering the the physiology using it at superphysiologic levels. And so right. there are three types of excitatory neurotransmitters in the glutamine system, AMPA, kinate, and NMDA. And magnesium, for instance, is an NMDA receptor antagonist. And so it will quiet down that over-transmission, that over-excitability of the nervous system, as will most pharmacologic medicines that work for preventing migraine. They decrease the tendency of the brain to have that slow wave spreading depression. So we look for all of those things. We look for all the things in the matrix, the sleep, relaxation, exercise, movement, and sometimes vigorous exercise will help. And sometimes that will make it worse and you'll need to start slowly. Of course, hydration is important. There was a study in Norway that showed that people who became aggressively hydrated had a 50% improvement in their migraines. Hmm. Stress is critical, relationship stress, relationship issues. All of those kinds of things uh, are critical within migraine. And so our goal is to realize that migraine is a threshold disorder. And so we try to get you further and further away from that threshold. So people say, oh, red wine causes my migraine. You were living at the edge of a cliff and the red wine just, right. just made you slip over the cliff. The red wine didn't, didn't bring you up to the edge of the cliff for most people. And so what we need to do is get you further and further away from that cliff so you're resilient. And when things come along, they don't push you over that edge because you're far enough away from it all the time because you're getting good, deep restorative sleep because you have good social connections because you stay hydrated because you eat an anti-inflammatory diet because you know and do stress resilient activities. And so all those things together 
can help to make the migraine pathways deactivated. And if they're deactivated by mind-body-spirit approaches or by pharmacologic things, your body can actually unlearn to have migraines and you'll stop having them over and over again unless you get in a major stressful situation or have head trauma or something else that brings them on again. So my goal for all my migraine patients is to get them from having frequent migraines that interfere with their life to having them very rarely and easily controllable and to, in my own situation where I did enough different treatments, I eventually don't have migraines at all anymore. I love this concept of the threshold, really thinking about kind of the bucket that's full, that low that we're carrying. You also, I've read Dr. Scheeler, really invite us to look at where the migraine might be acting as a protective mechanism. I'm going to read a quote that I read of yours that says, you can also ask if it's something that protects you. Like if you have chronic headaches, why don't I have to show up then in my relationship? Or I don't have to write my second novel, which I'm afraid will never get it be as good as my first. So that sort of falls into the mind, body, spirit load in a way. Like, where do you find that playing a role where we might be almost uh, inviting a migraine to uh, step out of what we might be fearful of? Right. I think there's both an acute and a chronic version of that. The acute version is migraines for me when I would be working all the time is like when I get beyond the threshold of where I could, would, or should have worked more, I'd have a migraine and I would have to rest. Like, oh, I'm going to not go to department meeting number 27 this week because (laughs) I've got a migraine because I need to finish my charts and I need to talk to my patients. And so it would be a pop-off valve. It's like like an engine or something that has builds up too much pressure and it pops off and says, okay, I can't do that. I'm not coming to work today, or at least I'm not going to that extra department meeting that I don't want to go to. Or it can be a macro level thing. It's like, hey, I'm in a bad relationship and I'm not going to address that relationship because it's not appropriate in my church or it's not appropriate in my life or I'll never get divorced. It's like, okay, well then work on the relationship or talk to your priest or figure out some other kinds of things you can do to heal that rather than have the migraine give you that distance. And one of my favorite examples was a woman who had 10 children and she was homeschooling them all and she got migraines and ended up in bed and she couldn't get out of bed at all. So what happened is her church community would come and they'd cook and they'd clean and they'd homeschool the children and they'd do the laundry and then they'd go away. And so if she got better tomorrow, she'd have 10 kids to homeschool and not really have the capacity to do that. And so if you look at the structure of your life, sometimes you can say, you know, any illness, but migraine is the one I'm the most familiar with. You can say, Is this serving a purpose in my life or is it just a nuisance? And sometimes it's just a nuisance. And most of the time we'd say, well, how could that possibly be? I hate my migraines. It's doing this and that. But, you know, if it just comes on with your cycle, it might just be a hormone storm from your cytokines that are that are triggering it. But if it comes on, you know, at times when you're stressed or when you travel, you know, travel could be hydration. Travel could be you don't want to be going to travel for business or something. So I like to look at it at the macro level, not in terms of blaming the patient, but to helping them get a deeper understanding of who they are, where they're going, what they want to do. I think that a lot of us take on many burdens and we feel like we're carrying a heavy load and some of that heavy load can trigger the migraines. And so I've seen a number of people whose migraines got better or their blood pressure got better when they quit a specific job that they thought they liked or they were making a lot of money or they thought was important to do but they quit that job and like my headaches went away. And so we can do everything in the meantime to stabilize it, to give you more buffer against that threshold, 
to give, teach you yoga and Tai Chi and give you the right amount of magnesium. But I also think on a mind, body, spirit level, it's good to look at what you're doing, how it aligns with your purpose, how much pain and suffering it's causing you and those around you, and whether the benefits are reinforcing you. And, and my favorite concept is not resilience, where you get knocked down and then you come back up to the level you were, but is Nassim's, Nassim Taleb's concept of anti-fragility, where you get knocked down, yes. you take the pieces apart, you learn from that, and you come back better, stronger, wiser, making better decisions, better able to handle higher loads of things, or better able to say no when you need to. Yeah, yeah, so beautifully said. Dr. Schiller, thank you so much for the work that you do and for sharing so much of your wisdom with us today. My great pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 